just do a warm-up like in Anchorman. Arsonist had oddly shaped feet. Or, um, oh, crap, what was the other one? Anyways, hello and welcome to <laughs> Reviews from the Crawl Space. I am Douglas, and that over there is sitting way across the other side of the effing room. <laughs> the fucking effing room. <laughs> Too late to stop swearing now or censor yourself. That's <laughs> Vicky, anyways. Hi. Uh, and you found this podcast. Good, Again. Good, good for you. Or maybe for the first time, for the first who knows? <laughs> so, Anyways, uh, welcome. Yeah, welcome. And uh, so what we do here is we review three vinyl pulled from a, an inherited vinyl collection, and we just review them three at, at a time at random. We don't curate them in any way. We just Actually, that's not true. There is one way we do curate them is that we don't allow episodes to be taken over by one artist. Yeah. <clears throat> it was a problem at the beginning. It's not a problem now. So if there's like... These last two episodes, if I it was the old way, we would have had one episode with a bunch, what would have been like three Bruce, Bruce Springsteen albums, and that would have been no good. No. So we, we've kind of broken up. But other than that, it's, it's not curated. We don't go through and pick them out or anything like that. We just, if there's a duplicate, we just shovel it down the line and deal with it later on. So yeah. here we are. You can follow us at RFTCS1 on Twitter. And reviews from the crawl space is one word on Instagram, and there we have what we're working on now, currently, current episodes, past episodes, and what else we got? Just on Twitter one, we have just like other music news stuff, and mm -hmm. quite often when we're working on our awesome RFTCS radio playlist, you should check out on Spotify. Uh, we are often we sometimes post songs as we're as, as we're curating that list. We'll post songs of what we're doing, and you can listen along. So there you go. So with all lots that, of stuff going on, all that out of everywhere. the way, everywhere. Exactly. What do you got? Okay, so today's episode one twenty two. Oh, right, uh, episode one one twenty two. I don't know. You might have said it already. Yeah, I don't know. Who just knows? in case. Okay. Uh, number one, Bruce Springsteen and his album Born to Run. Mm. Uh, number two is the Rolling Stones. It's only rock and roll. And number three is a by a band called Montrose and their album called Paper Money. It's Montrose, not Mont ha Hagar. I was trying oh. to do the Van Hagar thing. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coming out failing right off the top. <laughs> I should have written it down or something. All right. Okay. Just get going. Here. Yeah, just finally get going. Oh, just hurry up. Um. Okay, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Since we just did him last week, I didn't really do a whole bunch. No, that's of I'm, that's fine. Talking yeah. about who he is, but there's a little short paragraph here, just in case it's your first time and you don't know, for some reason, who Bruce Springsteen is. <coughs> So Bruce Springsteen is an American singer, songwriter, and musician. He was re he's released twenty studio albums. Uh, many with his backing band, the E Street Band, originally from New Jersey. 19 too many. He's one of the originers. Yeah, because uh, the next, yeah. <laughs> I do have a favorite. It's not any of the ones we've done. Yeah. Originally from New Jersey, he is one of the originators of the Heartland Rock style of music, combining mainstream rock music with a narrative songs about working class Americans. Go to the malls? Which to me is... Probably because I'm not American, I can relate to some of it. But for me, that's probably one of the biggest reasons um, that I can't. We didn't grow up in New Jersey. Yeah, I can't. 
I've been thinking about this a lot because I have liked Bruce Springsteen in the past, but I just find it really hard to well, listen to his music. Well, of course we got, uh, it's podcast time, we got to have the sirens going. Because, <laughs> I mean, what's a day without it? Well, at least they're not coming here. That we know of. I was going to say. Born to Run was his third studio album released in August of 1975. The album was a commercial success, peaking at number three on Billboard 200 and eventually selling six million copies in the U.S. Two singles were released from the album, Born to Run and 10th Avenue Freeze Out. Born to Run helped Springsteen reach mainstream popularity. The album has since been considered by critics to be one of the greatest albums of all time. Okay. I'll say that. Producers uh, Bruce Springsteen, a fellow yep. by the name of Mike Appel, who has uh, 38 producing credits to his name, uh, mostly with Bruce Springsteen. Okay. Uh, a guy named John Landau, who did the majority of the songs, pretty much. Uh, he was also their manager, and he's got 150 producing credits to his name. Uh, he was on the last episode with The River, another Bruce Springsteen album. Uh, he's also produced Jackson Brown and Shania Twain. Track listing, Side A, Thunder Road, 10th Avenue Freeze Out, which peaked at number 83 in the U.S., Night, and Backstreets. Side B, Born to Run, went to number 23, and it was also number 21 on the Rolling Stones' 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. Next up, She's the One, Meeting Across the River and Jungle Land. Mm. Runtime on this album, 30 39 minutes and 23 seconds. So, so <clears throat> real quick, uh, what stands out there for you? Which ones do you like right off the top? Um, I kind of like Jungle Land. So the final one there. And Thunder Road. I tend to like Springsteen when he's in his quiet ballad, ballad mode. So... Does Thunder Road or Jungle Land fit into that? I, I guess. think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and of course, you know, I mean, like I said, I don't really, probably just because it was so popular, 10th Avenue Freeze Out, but uh, yeah, it's like, to me, I mean, we've talked about this before, and there's really not much left to talk about, because I, I don't know how else to say that I really don't care about what he's talking, singing about or anything, but um yeah, there's like half a, you know, I know this album gets super rated everywhere, five stars out of five stars, everybody loves it. I don't know, it's like half a good album there. Yeah, this album uh, I is... I would never uh, revisit any of these songs, but I hear that we hear them anyway, because they're just a classic rock, if you're, if you're listening to classic rock, it's going to pop up, so. Yep. Um, and, and real quick, I actually kind of preferred, um, actually the second album... The second, yeah, second disc for the river more than anything off this album. Yeah. So I just as a whole, as a whole album, I actually kind of preferred the river a bit more. Yeah, and even though it was a double album, but uh, yeah, it's a decent half album if you're into that kind of thing. Um, how about you? Well, what, you, what was your take on this one? This album is my favorite Bruce Springsteen album. Is Darkness at the Edge of Town. Or Darkness on the Edge of Town. Which is the one before this. It's the one after this. But before. After this, but before the, the river. river. Of course. So, <laughs> hopefully it's still in the collection. And I haven't listened to it for a long time, so who knows whether I still feel the same way about it. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm just, ha I have this really hard time with Bruce Springsteen. I feel guilty for not liking him because he's so popular. 
but at the same time, well, it's kind of for I me. I just don't care. For me, yeah, I'm the same way as you, and I think it's a little bit of what you say because I don't identify that you know, oh, you grow up Jersey, you know, America, you know, middle class, like all that. I don't, whatever. I don't fucking care. Yeah. I grew up when we've just had you know set the economy on fire and just walked away from everything. So I don't really care about. I don't identify it. And the thing is, I don't give a shit about saxophone or yeah. that kind of Midwest rock, it's just like Bon Jovi or whatever. I just, I don't, it's just not a thing for me. And like I said, I could, like you said, we can appreciate it because he's a very strong writer and storyteller. Yes. That's his thing. Yeah. Um, the only And neg- Clarence Clemens is a, yeah. He, yeah. he's a great saxophonist, but I think that sometimes it really overtakes the song. And part of the problem is with this album, because I actually had it written down all my stuff before I actually went back and started reading reviews and shit. The one thing, the only thing, the bad thing that people could find about this album that I, anywhere was that they tried to emulate Phil Spector's Wall of Sound. And that's why it fucking sucks. You know what? Everybody complained about how it sounded like, like, like shit. It does. It just, it gets so overwhelmed because they're trying to duplicate that Wall of Sound. So it just comes out as like this like massive Play-Doh at the same time out of the speakers. And it just, yeah. That like, could be why I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a it's a wall of music yeah. coming at you just noise all yeah. the time, yeah. and that's why I like his quiet, more so you can intimate, hear, more yeah. vulnerable moments um, yeah. from some of the songs that he writes about love and because well, you can hear, get a chance to hear them and yeah. individually, and it's not just a oh, muddled wow. mess. Thank you for saying that because <laughs> there, I just realized why. Yeah. I know, it, it it's just, the same thing. I was doing my thing, writing my notes down, and like just talking about how much the sound fucking bugged me in this one. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, because Bruce Springsteen wanted a wall of sound. And it every album pretty much after this was like that, and I think that's where I turned off. Darkness on the Edge of Town was a, an album that my aunt owned, and that was my first exposure, and yeah. um, I really, really liked it. But as I grew up, and he's on the radio, and... Yeah, it's that wall of yeah. sound. Yeah, yeah, that, and like I said, that was literally the only complaint I could find anywhere. People, it's just like the sound is awful, and we know to some degree they corrected it because they've done a couple of remasters since, and we're listening to the remaster on Spotify, and they definitely tried to to undo that fucking Phil Spector nonsense. I'm gonna have to go through his discography and make a playlist of just the ballads. The quieter ballads. Yeah, it's like it's like soft opeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I love too. Um, yeah. Opeth is a Swedish metal band. You were death metal, but now I just call them a metal band. Yeah, and they're one of our favorites. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, Amazing, yeah. love those guys. So yeah, it's just it's kind of interesting. And but ultimately, like I'm I'm done. Like I'm tired of the sax. I'm just like okay, I get I get it. One thing I will say that another thing besides the sound that he incorporated for this was that he went for what's called a, he called it a four corners approach. So the beginning of each side had songs that were uplifting and happy and the ending of the sides were down or sad or otherwise. Yeah. So you, you know, which is cool. I mean, I'm glad that he put an effort into that kind of balance because a lot of them don't. Well, and honestly, when it comes to those, like, because it hits you in the face, mm-hmm. that wall of sound, yeah. it actually is a relief when it gets to one of the more yeah, quiet, yeah. quieter. It's just not like, it's just sonically overwhelming. Yeah, I, I just not a fan of it. And that's, no, me uh, neither. 
I can't. <laughs> I go. just can't. No, I want a big, rich soundstage where I can hear things, and it's not just all... Don't get me wrong, I love fuzz and noise sometimes, because we listen to a lot of doom and sludge metal that capitalizes on that, but you can individually, you can hear where things are. It's not just... Just like I said, it's like a Play-Doh squishing out of the speakers. It's like... <laughs> And it's screeching saxophone. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Screechy, uh, pitchy, just fucking noise. So there you go. I managed to swear three times there just to make up for my effing at the beginning. Oh, see. I don't even notice anymore. That's just the way you talk. So I don't. It doesn't bother me. I do my best. It leaks out. It doesn't bother me. You talk the way you talk. Some more sirens. Shit's going down in old Victoria. (sighs) Okay, let that go by. Everybody's doing all right. So yeah, Born to Run. (laughs) Bruce Springsteen, Columbia Records Catalog, PC33795, Canada 1975, and it's an original uh, pressing. Condition, the cover is good. Good good to very good. No rips, no tears. The spine is readable. There is a slight water stain here in the bottom corner. Yeah, considering that it's pretty much a white album cover, that's saying a lot. Yeah, no, the inside's even better, actually. So like I said, just a little bit right here. But in other words, boom. Yeah. It's good. Uh, sleeve, good. Just plain paper. Vinyl was good. Uh, there's a scratch on the first side of the first song, but it didn't affect the playback. And there were some surface scuffs on the second side as well, but nothing nothing affected the playback. Uh, the audio, and we ha- I have medium poor. Well, poor for the reasons we discussed. Uh, and the, the medium poor, too, is obviously this album got play as well. It sounds like it's been played quite a bit, but just the combination of that wall of sound nonsense and some wear on there just really made it for a mess oh yeah i could see your parents dragging that album to parties and shit like that oh yeah that probably got a ton of play um uh yeah okay cover and liner photos by eric miola i say miola because it looks like almost like Mia miola like a cat like but it's but it's m-e-o-l-a meow uh Designed by John Berg and Andy Engel. Um, just gonna go. I'm just gonna line up here. Get really in there. Oh, okay. I just feel like the t- table's always drifting away from me, and I always feel like I have to reach for like. I haven't, I haven't moved it. I promise. I think you slowly move it when I'm not looking. You just like, <laughs> just move it inch by inch. Nope. <laughs> and then I turn around on the table. You're like way over there. <laughs> okay, so, so Eric. Uh, an American photog with 57 visual credits to his name. This is the first time on the show. Uh, other credits include Blue Oyster Cult, Harry Belafonte, and George Benson. Dale! Dale! George Benson's been on the show, but it's an imposter album, I think, because it wasn't part of the original collection. Ah, uh, gotcha. Uh, John, John Berg, American photog, and eventually became the vice president of CBS Records in, in the 1980s. 654 credits and he's been on the show with Gentle Giants Octopus, Janis Joplin's Greatest Hits, Bob Dylan's Desire and Aerosmith's Night in the Ruts. Cool. So that's just a few. And that's it. Oh wait, no, sorry, Andy. Almost forgot about Andy over here. And I do actually have some I had to write some separate goddamn notes. Yeah, I've got scratching all over the place online too. <laughs> this is like, the only oh, album I've done it for. This. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. So Andy, the Grammy Award winning uh, illustrator, he uh, actually, his Grammy was for Best Recording Package for a band called Ultra Lounge, or I don't know if it's a collection, called Ultra Lounge. Uh, and he's also an illustrator, known for creating memorable album covers and posters. Things that you would know out there in podcast land. 
Um, 386 credits to his name. It's the first time on the show, which is always amazing when I see that many credits. Mm -hmm. uh, other artists that he's worked with include Rick James, Reba McIntyre, and Stephen Stills. So really kind of covering the bases there. Oh, yes, he ever. <laughs> be one hell of a show. Get them all together. Uh, the uh, I just want to say the cover notes uh, I want to talk about because regardless of what I think of Bruce Springsteen, this is a pretty iconic cover that yeah. has been fucking duplicated so many times. So the image was taken by Eric, as we've been talking. We talked about it was it was taken from a set of nine hundred frames that they took over three hundred or three hundred over three hours, and they actually compiled the rest of the shots into a book called uh, "Born to Run: The Unseen Photos." The iconic photo is a, a Bruce Springsteen leaning against saxophonist Clarence Clemens while holding a Fender his Fender Stratocaster with an Esquire neck. It's and the background beautiful. is just like pure white, so it's just it's a black and white photo. And it's just like high contrast. And it's a beautiful guitar. Yeah, it's a beautiful it's got, guitar. It looks like wood grain. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a super photo. Yeah, so that was, they, they said, over three hours, 900, they just, they were scrolling through afterwards, uh, and they're like, oh, that's it, boom, right there, it's done. Cool, cool. So, yeah, I just want to point it out, because, like I said, it's an iconic cover and important stuff. And didn't the Muppets do a play on it? Oh as yeah, well? the, the Muppets did one as well. Yeah. And it, like honestly, I actually didn't write the list down, but it was a, a good half dozen to a dozen. Well, part. highest part. form of flattery is copy. Yeah, I, is, well, that, is that how it goes? Imitation. Imitation. Yeah. Sure. So for context, I didn't get this in before, but uh, before the before album for this. The Wild, The Innocent, and The E Street Shuffle okay. in 1973, and the after album, uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town, yeah, came saying. out in 1978. Okay. So Discogs, 10 for sale from $1.41. 595 people have this version. 156 people want it. It gets rated 3.7 out of 5 with 27 people rating. Resale value on this album, $9.85, mm. $17.02, and $31.50 in its best condition, which we could probably get that. Yeah, close to that. Or close sure. to it. And the reason that we talk about the resale value uh, is because it's... I never really understood what resale value of albums entailed, and it's been a really interesting education for us. So we figured we yeah, to and, know well, about it too. And just in, from the standpoint that to see, you know, we talked about this before, you know, which albums are really worth a lot. And yeah. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Uh, I just, yeah, I was I was thinking about that recently too. And you know, we talk about if they were in their best condition, which they they are definitely not. I think we're up to like it's up to like ten k or something. Yeah, now. it's over ten k. And just to think about that, like I mean, if yeah. they were in good condition, just having these these nice these, these old ass. Like, like, yeah, I, I'm with you. It's, just, so, it's just a weird, it's a weird thing to think about that we've been hauling them around for this time, and that literally, probably two thirds of them are just absolute fucking trash. Should be in the garbage, and uh, the rest, you know, I, you know, actually have. It's just a weird, like for me to be. We've hauled these around. I've seen these albums, and just to have an actual. Yes, yeah, you're a kid. Yeah. Yeah, and to have an actual like a weird number that you can put on it, like a monetary value, and and actually look at the collection. Yeah. It, it, We'll have to get into it more one time. What we'll have to do well, one of these days is I'll have to have my parents on and, and just talk about it because it is a, a bit of a weird thing to sit and, go, like I said, go through and just you say, oh, this one's worth 31 How's this one worth $31? I don't know. Yeah, same. But somebody's paying for it. Yeah, because generally <laughs> they're not over $15 usually for the highest. No, yeah. But we do have some that are 
that are up there in the hundreds of dollars. Yeah, in fact, we were listening to, uh, case in point, last night we were listening to Ziggy Stardust, and that one's worth like 150 or something. Yeah. So yeah, it's weird. So take care of your albums, people. Yes, I guess that's That's what I'm... That's the lesson. I guess that's what we're getting at, is definitely, because you don't know. Don't kick them around. If you have vinyl, if it's something a medium like that that's going to stay around forever, yeah, take care. Don't leave them so rats can piss on them or they're going to get rained on or something. Like, yeah, yep. you just don't know. It's like the old toys and the packaging. Handle them with gloves. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, now I use Lysol wipes on them, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just keep scratches on Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. All right, so I give this album 2.5 out of 5. Yeah, I give it the same as you. All righty. Yeah, my, the novelty's wearing off now. It's time to move on from Bruce Springsteen. Yes, and I kind of hope this is the last one. <laughs> Unless it happens to be Darkness at the Edge of Town. Yeah. Okay. So Springsteen... Although, I don't know. I don't know whether I want to be disappointed, you know, holding on to that all these years. Oh, it's my favorite Bruce Springsteen album, only to find out, it, wait, it's like all the others. What was I thinking? <laughs> Sounds okay. exactly the same. I'll take this one song and put it over on a playlist. <laughs> okay, so Springsteen down. We'll move Springsteen, on. Springsteen, yeah. Okay, so next. So the next one, The Rolling Stones, it's only rock and roll. And oh my God, I think The Rolling Stones has has to be the majority of what we've, like, this is the seventh album. That's amazing. Of theirs that we reviewed. So, (laughs) um, Some Girls from 1978, we did it in episode 106. Black and Blue from 1976, we did it in episode 101. Mm -hmm, That's a good one. Tattoo You, 1981. We did it in episode 72. Uh, Undercover from 1983. We did it in episode 67. Exile on Main Street, uh, 1972, was on episode 44. And 12 by 5, a 1965 album, was on episode 35, which you'll be able to find on SoundCloud. SoundCloud, okay. It's just we did SoundCloud for a few episodes, and that was one of them. Yeah, about seven. And I'm trying to figure out a way that we can get those SoundCloud episodes moved over. But I don't know. Yeah. So the Rolling Stones are an English rock band formed in London in 1962. They've been active for almost six decades and are considered one of the most popular and enduring rock bands of the era. Um... Rooted in blues and rock and roll, they started out as a cover band and later were at the forefront of the British invasion after finding success with their own material. So it's like, uh, I'm sorry, no. So it's just like fucking Rolling Stones, Alan Parsons, Pink Floyd. That makes up like probably a third of the entire collection. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, because you're right. Honestly, you said seven. This is the seventh. The seventh That's yeah. amazing to me. Yeah. And there could be more in there. Uh, yes, I, I agree. There could there could be. I agree with that. So, your dad? If you're lucky. Your dad liked the Rolling Stones. Or 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 the people picking over the original collection hated the Rolling Stones. And oh, no one, so no one wanted to take it. it. <laughs> um, it's Only Rock and Roll was their 12th British and 14th American studio album, released in October of 1974. It was the last album to feature guitarist Mick Taylor, who would be replaced eventually by Ronnie Wood. Yeah. Um, it's only rock and roll combines core blues and rock and roll oriented sound with elements of funk and reggae. It reached number one in the U.S., number two in the U.K., and it wasn't as successful as prior albums, but it was an important transitional album for them. It noted the departure of longtime producer Jimmy Miller, mm-hmm. and it was self-produced by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards under the pseudonym The Glimmer Twins. I'm making hand gestures. You can't see Glimmer Twins. 
the title track was recorded separately from the rest of the album. The basic rhythm track had been laid down by members of The Faces during a jam session with Jagger and David Bowie and bassist Willie Weeks. <laughs> okay, guys, I'm just going to put my cell phone down here and record this. We're just going to fuck around with David Bowie and Mick Jagger for a bit. And then Mick Jagger's like, oh, okay, that's pretty good. I'm going to throw that in the album. <laughs> so he liked the album so much that he brought the basic track back to Richards, yeah. who added some guitar overdubs, and after some polishing, it was put on the album as is. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. Gonna go hang out. And I went and looked, and David Bowie gets credit for vocals on this. Oh, he does? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, the album was certified platinum, which means one million in the U.S., uh, gold in the U.K., which is 100,000 copies. Producer, the Glimmer Twins, 142 producing credits, and they've been on the show before with four other albums, Black and Blue, Some Girls, Tattoo You, and Undercover. Track listing. Uh, if You Can't Rock Me, Ain't Too Proud to Beg, which is actually a temptation song mm-hmm. written by Ger- Barry Gordy from Motown. Um, it was a single released from the album. It went to number 17 and in the U.S. One of the ones I enjoy the most on the album. Yeah, yeah. I actually like this version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only rock and roll, but I like it as another single. Uh, number 10 in the U.K., um, 13 in Canada, and 16 in the U.S., Till the Next Goodbye, and Time Waits for No One. Side B, Luxury, Dance Little Sister, Mm -hmm. If You Really Want to Be My Friend, Short and Curlies, which is absolutely hilarious, Uh, Fingerprint File. The runtime on this album is 48 minutes and 26 seconds. Surprised at that length. Yes, I am too. Context, uh, before album was Goat's Head Soup, released in 1973, and the after album was Black and Blue in 1976. Hmm. Well, you know, there's definitely some really good songs in here. I really, I, I enjoyed this album uh, quite a bit. Um, I did see that one of it, one of the things that people complained about was that it was a little uneven, which I don't necessarily disagree with. But um, yeah, the fingerprint file. Um, crap! I gotta go look at the because the titles aren't on there. Yeah, ain't, ain't too proud to beg, of course. Uh, time waits for no one, I guess. Fingerprint file. I mean, there's just a bunch. We just had it on, and it was playing, and it was good. And you know, there's. A, I mean, a couple of there's there's single tracks stand out, but other than that, nah. You know what? It's a good. What I would call a decent party album, or a good party album. Just put it on. You don't have to worry about anything. It's just it's gonna play. You can enjoy yourself. Uh, one thing I liked about it too, before I get to your a whole take on this thing, is uh, I like the sound. Um, the, we listen to the vinyl. The vinyls. Is, is pretty fucked up and worn and scratched and there was actually it actually was skipping in a spot in one of the songs <laughs> that was perfect because it, honestly I think it took like five minutes for us to be like is that skipping because it was just like this really cool like outro that kept going and just it was perfect it perfect you would never would never be able to tell and it took us a while to figure it out it's like wow this is really going on and so it skipped yeah, that was funny. it skipped a few times and uh, um, like I said the, but the sound Otherwise, the sound is really good. The mix is really good. There's, uh, I mean, obviously all talented musicians, but you can hear them playing unlike that wall of sound bullshit, uh, wall of noise. Um, no, the bass playing, the drums, that's all there, the voices. And I have to go back and listen to that song now and see if I can hear Bowie. Um, yeah, no, I never, no, never know. thought of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's your take on this whole thing? Well, you know, I've pretty much documented over the course of this yeah. that I'm not a huge rock uh Rolling Stones fan. Nope. 
And so this one was okay. Um, <laughs> Just yeah, okay. It was Rolling Stones. It was. Uh, I, it's better Rolling Stones than like Tattoo You Rolling Stones. Yeah, there, there's been, I think, a couple of others or at least one other that I think I like better than this. But I think it was Black and Blue. Yeah. I wish the one after this. I will say, too, that uh, the cover uh, is a painting. Once again, we talk about covers. This is a crazy cover. I, it took us a while to even re- realize what it was. But the cover is uh, its a painting. And the Rolling Stones are, are portrayed as rock deities. And they're descending down this temple, temple staircase. And they're surrounded by young women worshipping them. And they're all dressed. But the one thing I didn't realize, there's some pretty young kids there. Oh, talk about ego. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. And some pretty, pretty young there but i mean it's, it's a cool painting overall oh yeah like seven eight years old so it's like oh i don't know guys <laughs> the rest of it's fine but maybe back in whatever year this came out it was acceptable but not anymore so anyways yeah it's a, it's a i mean overall it's a pretty cool yeah, cover it is a cool cover for sure when we first pulled out i was like what the fuck what fucking band is that <laughs> yeah. i don't know that band <laughs> oh it's rolling stones okay i can see Mick Jagger there now oh, okay there he is um anything else you'd like to nope not for me okay then i guess it's me uh it's only rock and roll rolling stones or the rolling stones i guess rolling stone records catalog coc 79101 canada 1974 this is an original pressing condition the cover is poor heavy wear uh, broken spine it's just it's not a good scene man um (laughs) sleeve it's original it's it's mostly good but the album's just starting to poke out the bottom of it. It's actually a proper cardboard case inside, so that's pretty good. Um, so yeah, that, that's not great. Um, the audio, and we talked about that. I enjoyed this sound feel, the stage, the mix about it sounded nice and wide and, and full, unlike the crap that we just, <laughs> Bruce Springsteen crap we just listened to. So I just said the mix was enjoyable. Um, designed by Guy uh, Pilart. Uh, he's Belgian, so I'm not even going to try anymore. So so Guy, we'll call him Guy, which is probably also not his name. It's Guy. Belgian? No. Probably Guy. Guy? Oh, yeah. I yeah. They're, they're, French, they're French. Yeah. Okay. So Guy. Okay. All right. There we go. Belgian artist, <laughs> illustrator, photog. 45 credits to his name. This is his first appearance on the show. Other credits include David Bowie. Uh, actually, this is a good example of his other work. David Bowie's Diamond Dogs. He also did the cover for that, which is also awesome and crazy. Uh, Ella Fitzgerald and Paul Inca. Uh, that's it for me. All right, so just down to the Discogs info. Yeah, that's so weird that quite often the albums that I end up liking don't I don't end up having as much information. I didn't like the Bruce Springsteen, but I had to I get an extra piece of goddamn paper to write extra <laughs> notes on, and even though I don't like the album. <laughs> so I know I had a bunch of chicken scratching too. Yeah, I tried to be methodical about it, and then it's like, damn. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I got to put was... that. So then you're trying to scratch it in without because <laughs> you don't want to miss it. If you put it at the end, you'll miss it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, thirty-three for sale from eight dollars. Two thousand sixty-five people have it. One hundred and sixty people want it. <laughs> it gets rated four point oh five. Out of five, with 118 people rating. Okay, I have to say that is weird. Considering the actual ratings overall, how that album gets a higher score than the Bruce Springsteen album. I mean, like I said, I like this album more, but man, that's a weird ranking. Because that one, universally, the Bruce Springsteen one is way more highly ranked, but on, you said it only got like 3.5 or 3.7, the Bruce Springsteen one. 
Bruce Springsteen was 3.7 out of 5. Yeah. But 27 people. This is 118. Okay. And it only, like, they can only count whoever no, no, gets no. it. Yeah, I know. I agree. So but it's just, it's, it's, it's just weird. It's all subjective, right? It's super subjective. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, because then I go in there and I put my little two down, which yeah. brings the total down, you know, so it's. Yeah. Okay. Where are we at here? Um, resale value. Yep. One dollar and twenty-five cents, eleven dollars and thirty-four cents, and another one, thirty-one dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, I could see actually. I could see why both of these would be in good condition, be that much for sure. How would you give it? Two point five. I gave it a three point five. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I actually have it might be higher if I listened to it more, but no, I think three point five was going to be right. I think that's the right one for that. Okay, so uh, Rolling Stones down. Until next time, no doubt. Yeah, at this rate, <laughs> we'll probably do their whole discography. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> oh, man, well, at least it's not... I'd rather that than Bruce Springsteen. So. True. Yeah, okay. you're absolutely right, I guess. Uh, to me, it's kind of six of one, half dozen of the other. Oh. <laughs> Last album, Montrose, Paper Money. Montrose was a California-based hard rock band formed in 1973. Oh, that's so weird. That makes sense, um... I don't, for some reason, I thought they were a uh, British band. Nope. I don't know why. Nope. Named after guitarist and founder Ronnie Montrose, a successful session musician. Mm -hmm. The band's lineup also included Sammy Hagar as their featured vocalist, who later gained success as a solo artist and member of Van Halen. The group disbanded in 1977. Uh, Paper Money was their second studio album, released in October of 1974. Mm -hmm. And it's the band's final recording with Sammy Hagar due to a building acrimonious relationship between him and Ronnie Montrose. Yeah, they uh, barely got these out. So surprised, because isn't that how it ended with, <laughs> like, with uh, Van Halen as well? Acrimonious. They're going, going a little, getting a little success, and then it's just like, right away. <laughs> it was the band's highest charting release, and it went up to number 65 on Billboard. So, producer Ronnie Montrose, the founder of the band, mm -hmm. and a fellow name of Ted Templeman, who has 397 producing credits to his name, and he's been on the show five times I previously. I was going to say, that name sounds familiar, yeah. So, for Van Halen's Van Halen, mm -hmm. Van Halen's Van Halen 2, and Van Halen's Fair Warning. Yeah, okay, okay. That, uh, yeah. Nicolette Larson's album Nicolette, and Nicolette Larson's album Radioland, there which we we've recently done. Yeah. One of those. Uh, track listing. Okay. Oh, he also okay. he also uh, yeah. produced for Van Morrison, the Doobie Brothers, Little Feet, Captain Beefheart, and Sammy Hagar. So he's got quite a resume. Uh, track listing side one underground connection, which we found out was actually a cover of a Rolling Stones song. Yeah, yeah, it's written by. And uh, one of our favorite songs on the album. Yeah. Uh, and it was released as a single. The Dreamer and Starliner, which was an instrumental. Uh, Side B is I Got the Fire, which was another single that was released. Space Age Sacrifice, We're Going Home, and the last song on the album, Paper Money, also a single, released. Uh, 34 minutes and 50 seconds. Hmm. Runtime. For context, yeah. the before album was an album called Montrose. 1973, and the after album was Nice on a 10 scale, 
uh, which was released in 1976. They only did a handful of albums. Yeah, not very many at all. Yeah. So what you uh, what you think? I really down? liked this album. Did you? Hey, oh. Yeah, it, I did. What'd you like? I liked uh, that Connection song. And yeah, I, that was a good song, yeah. There were some times where I thought they sounded a bit a bit like Foreigner. Yeah, they definitely had that kind of, like um, almost like Arena Rock vibe to it. I can't remember what other band I mentioned yesterday when we were listening to it. Yeah, you mentioned a couple, but I think a foreigner fits quite a bit. Oh, Neil Young, I think. Was it Neil Young? I don't remember. But I, I really like this album. Um, as far as I know, I hadn't heard of Montrose before. No, you played a song last night. Yeah, Bad Motor um, Scooter. Bad Motor Scooter, which mm-hmm. sounded familiar. Oh, yeah, it's been in Tarantino. was used it a couple times. But I don't... Um, yeah, like I said, first time I thought I'd, I'd heard this band. Yeah, well, and you said that you liked the, the vocals quite a bit, too, which is hilarious because you had no idea it was Sammy Hagar I either. did not until today when no. I was doing the research. <laughs> no, I knew that when you were talking about it the other day, and it's like, oh, okay, well. Nothing against Sammy Hagar. No, no, not Sammy at all, Hagar. no. He's had some pretty nice singles that I like out there. And for me, I um, I, I thought it was relatively uh, mediocre. I was actually kind of disappointed in it because I have heard of Montrose, and I didn't expect this to be the one with Bad Motor Scooter on it because I think that one's just called Bad Motor Scooter. But uh, no, I was I was disappointed. It was it was fluff, light, lighter and fluffier than I thought it was, like cheesier than I thought it was going to be. Don't get me wrong. There's a couple of good songs, like you say, but it seems to be unfocused and uneven, and where they wanted to do what they wanted to do with it. And whatever it is that they want to do with it, there isn't enough of it there. See, for me, it was a it it was fresh, and it was a break from some of the albums that we've had in the last oh yeah few episodes. And to me, it remi- uh, yeah, and to me, it reminds me of about like a trillion albums that we have covered in past episodes. So it's just kind of like and fair enough, but yeah, it was a, it was a, like a break between like for you know for what we're doing with Bruce Springsteen and then the Rolling Stones. It was definitely different than the two of them. There's yeah. no question about that. And I think that that's why I. Like this one, and I did like the bass. But there's a the bass player in this one. There was some really good bass playing in this, like that stood out, and I really enjoyed a little bit of the drumming too. But the bass player, because I think this is the first one they did with the new bass player too, and he, he obviously came out swinging. But uh, I kind of see why they didn't stick around together and make more albums. <laughs> well, there, I think they had a pretty much of a revolving door. Yes, and you know he was a pretty successful. Um, session musicians, which yes, was probably yeah. a lot easier than running his own band. Oh, and getting, trying to corral everybody else's egos in there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, he had a career regardless of whether he was the lead of Montrose or not. Oh, and yeah. And Sammy Hagar went so I was going to say, hey, yeah, Hagar was fine after that. A lot of other stuff. Just a bunch so. of small bands and yeah. definitely not any sort of running any sort of restaurant businesses or anything like that. So. No. <laughs> Actually, in fact, I, I, it's funny that he comes up. My brain just brought this uh, just brought this up. Is that actually he was just given an award by the government in uh, Baja, or tour, by the tourism because because he brings in so many people. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, some. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a medal, but it was an award that he was being given by the tour, tourism industry, not the tourism industry, but the actual government. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the places we stayed right away from when we were there. We were there, stayed away from those places. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, So, Paper Money by Montrose. Uh, Warner Brothers, catalog BS, definitely. 2823, Canada, 1974. Original pressing. Condition, it's okay, but poorish at the same time. Can't read this. 
fine on this, but and it, it's faded, but it's like it's not ripped or anything. It's it's a solid case. It's just old and worn. Pretty boring colors too. Yeah, I have to say the the, the it's really lackluster. Gray, uh, black, red. Yeah, yeah, gray. It's just like it's, it's that weird gray too. It's like a yeah. blah, gray. Yeah, it's not even. It doesn't stand. It's not dark. It's not uh, sleeve plain paper. It's okay. Uh, vinyl, it's okay. It had a few uh, surface scuffs on both sides, but it didn't impact the play at all. And the audio was decent. It was a decent rock mix. Good sound field, good low end. No, no problems there. Which is just, I mean, both these albums, this one and the Rolling Stones makes the Bruce Springsteen one stick out like a sore thumb. Just just how terrible it sounds. I actually think I had that written down. It's just like compared to other albums at the time, it's the Bruce Springsteen one just stood out as being bad. Um, the graphic design by Cal... Schenkel, so Cal, an American graphic artist with 119 visual credits, most well known for his work with uh, Zappa cover album or Zappa's album covers. Uh, his style was actually the precursor of the whole punk art look that kind of took off in the 80s and then a little bit in the 90s. If you're wondering what I'm talking about, think about besides some of the obviously some of the Zappa covers that we've talked about. Um, Trying to think, Studio Town is probably the best example, or uh, Duckman. If you guys remember the the cartoon, yeah. that that kind of style, like that intro, was kind of the that, that same punk art kind of. By the way, that's how you know you're old if you know Duckman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking, wow, we haven't watched that forever. Yeah, we need to. We need to go through that again. Yeah, do we have the, D- the DVDs? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, or Cal, right here. Here we go. He's been on the show before with his Zappa's apostrophe. Uh, other credits include uh, Tom Waits and Blue's Image. So there you go. I, I'm good. I'm done. All right. <laughs> Wrap it up. Take us home. Discogs. Four for sale from $8.18. 254 people have it. 31 people want it. It gets 3.62 out of 5 with 8 people voting. Mm-hmm. So if they liked it, they liked it. Yeah, it seems to be. Uh, resale value. $3.94. $6.27. And $12.59. Hmm. What are you giving her? I give it 2.5 out of 5. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you liked the album and you thought it was a breath of fresh air. I didn't. I thought it was mediocre. I also gave it 2.5. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you arrived at that conclusion. <laughs> I think if you like it, you have to give it at least a 3. All right, I'll give it a 3. <laughs> That's a threshold. Okay, so best of 3? Stones. For me. And I'm going to say Montrose. Montrose is my uh, 1A, it's a 1B kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Montrose for me because it's, it was a break right. from all the nonsense yeah, we've uh, Yeah, and I, I enjoyed that, uh, enjoyed that Stones album more than some of the other ones that we listened to. So, yeah, <laughs> maybe that'll be the next thing in the podcast is go back and just, just do episodes where we're just like, we've done the whole collection, just rank out of all the Stones albums, which ones we thought was the best and what was the worst, and then just kind of go through it that way. But uh, yeah, it's funny. I, you know, we talk a lot about oh, down. trying to be uh, open-minded and not let our personal our biases biases enter into it. But it's hard sometimes. Oh yeah, for and, sure. And um, I try to be more lenient with my ratings. Given my personal, like, given my personal feelings about, but it's really hard for me with the Rolling Stones. Is, is just. <laughs> you don't have to like them, baby. If you want, you don't like them. Give them a fucking zero. Fuck those guys. Yeah, I suppose. 
You don't owe anybody anything. If you like the Rolling Stones, listen to this album. <laughs> and but, if you like Sammy Hagar, listen to Mondros. Okay. Anything you want to wrap it up with? No, I think I'm done. I think you're done? Me too. Okay, then. I will say goodbye to you, sir. Oh, no. It's done this thing again. It's doing this thing where it... Now it's going to open, it's going to open my calendar. Yes, what? So wild. Wild and weird. Anyways, bye.